If you're a mom, you're a superhero. That's right, own it. We possess a unique superpower of intuition, a sixth sense for what our kids are up to, how they feel, what they want, and when they want it. Yep, it's amazing. I call this mom sense. Oftentimes, we are Googling for answers, joining Facebook groups, or relegating to taking unsolicited advice from our friends when all we have to do is listen to that voice inside us. No, not the one that's telling you you're fat. The other voice, the one that seems to know everything when it comes to your kids and leaves you feeling confident, empowered, purposeful, and all things hashtag mom goals. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm a mother of twin toddlers and a baby, double the fun plus one. And I can honestly say that now that I'm a mom, I feel like my life is just getting started. On my podcast, I interview industry experts and real life mamas on their mom sense experiences, tackling topics like how to teach kids to meditate, what it takes to have the marriage you've always dreamed of, and how to master your car makeup routine. Grab your latte, that's probably ice cold by now, and take a listen to That's Total Mom Sense. Hello listeners, welcome to That's Total Mom Sense. Today's episode is kids and screen time. How much is too much? One thing that I noticed with my three young kids, I have two-year-old twins and I'm an eight-month-old baby. And last month when it was snowing, we figured let's go outside. The kids had never played in the snow. And, you know, I just thought that this was the perfect opportunity. So we went to um, a park near our house and there there's like a jungle gym and slide and then of course rolling hills. And it was so beautiful to see a white blanket of snow. So, um, you know, the kids, my husband and I, we all engaged in a snowball fight. We built this like lopsided snowman. It was it was such a fun time. And then my husband turns to me and he's like, where are all the other kids? And, you know, I just, you know, intuitively said on their screens, they're probably just on their screens at home. Um, and, you know, that was just really eye opening because it was um, you know, a really nice Saturday afternoon and growing up in, you know, the nineties, that's what we used to do. We'd play outside till dark and then, you know, our mom would make us come home. But, um, on the weekends now there's no kids to be found outside and, and it's really, um, really sad. So, uh, today I'm so grateful to have, um, Holland Haas with me. Holland is a leading expert on digital detox and connection. She has made global headlines with her book, Consciously Connecting, a simple process to reconnect in a disconnected world, and was recognized as one of 100 global thought leaders along with Deepak Chopra and uh, Susie Orman by Hay House. She has a background in behavioral psychology, theater, and business, and has been interviewed by Randy Zuckerberg, CNN, NBC, ABC and Fox News, to name a few. Holland works with families who have difficulty with technological balance and has created a program for families and corporations who struggle with technology issues. And um, Holland, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having mm-hmm. me, Tanika. Hello to your listeners. I really work on human relationship solutions, and I am focused and passionate to really help moms navigate the digital world in a very different way 
because this is a new time and it is something that is highly addictive and we know how much kids kids' brains crave it because because we know as adults how much our brains crave staying connected to our devices. So I'm really excited that you are tackling this today, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to rolling up our sleeves and diving in. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so can you share some stats with us? Um, how much time, on average, are kids in front of screens? Well, that varies by age. We're, we're finding right now, Psychology Today and some other organizations have done some research and kids that are two to five are spending about four and a half, five hours a day on screen. Oh, my goodness. If, uh, yes, yes. Um, and then it increases. So by the time, you know, it's going up by age group, eight to ten years of age, it's five to eight hours. And five is a really light number. Uh, adolescents are at nine to 11 hours per day. And when you, when you think of how many hours a day an adolescent is up, that means they are spending more than 50% of their day attached to some sort of technological screen. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's just, that's awful. Um, what about adults uh, in comparison? How much time are we often spending on our screens? Anywhere from 11 to 16 hours a day. Oh, wow. So much more than we sleep, which is, you know, it just doesn't make sense um, to be kind of like hooked onto our phones and, and laptops and desktop for that long. Well, if you if you break that down, and that's a really good point that you made, more time than we sleep. We're finding mm-hmm. that the average person is sleeping six to seven hours. Mm-hmm. And when you consider that most of us in this country, both children and those who are adolescents going to school as well as adults, one of the first things we do in the morning is we forget about human relationships. And we say good morning to our screens yeah. before we say good morning to each other. And we take them into the bathroom. And <laughs> we, right? I mm-hmm. mean, you're giggling. And yes, we, we know it's true. Cause, oh, yeah. Listen, I, I've done it as well. We've all fallen down the rabbit hole. Right. And it really is contingent. When you're aware of some of these behaviors, you can make better choices. And then the question is, will you make the better choice? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I wanted to just uh, dig a little deeper into um, kids and their screen time. Do you have a recommended um, number of hours per age group, just so we we know what we want to what the goal is here? So, anyone, any of the children, uh, uh, mom. If you've got a little one under three, they really shouldn't be on devices. Now, I know that's going to be so hard for so many of you to hear because it helps you, right? When you're, when you're out having coffee with a friend or maybe it's a family dinner, you give them that screen and it really quiets them down. Mm-hmm. What we're doing, unfortunately, is we're training their brains. And we're training their brains, as you, as you see, it really is like candy or... You, you know, they didn't call it the crackberry. Yeah, yeah. Back mm-hmm. It right. really does give us dopamine hit. So let's talk a little bit about that and why it's so addictive for children. Mm-hmm. Yes, so let's do it. our children start getting these dopamine hits. And basically, we get dopamine hits. Think about it as an adult. We get it from smoking. We get it from caffeine. We get it from alcohol. Now, obviously, we're not giving that to our children and babies, yet the exact same triggers that those substances trigger in an adult brain to want more, 
those clinical and behavioral psychologists have worked with the tech companies. They've been hired to really teach them and share human behavior and brain science. Oh, yeah. And so they understand you and your children perfectly, down to the science of color and how much movement a character needs. And all of these wonderful things that we once kind of took for granted when we thought they were harmless cartoons in the 70s and 80s, it's, it's gone hyper, and now they've created apps and ways to keep your children digitally hooked. Hmm. So when we give them these devices, they're really craving it more and more and more, and we're creating really, we're creating behaviors that we're not going to want to deal with, and it's going to impact their life as they get older and they go through school. Right. So under three, we want to cut out the screens. We do not want to give them screens. We want to go old school. You want to take some kind of game. You want to take a puzzle when you go visit grandma. You want to take uh, a favorite doll. You want to go back to the, the day where we're not using screens to help mm-hmm. Keep the kids quiet. Yeah, or babysit them. Honestly, a lot of a lot of moms just turn on the TV, and it's like you know hours can can go by. But yeah, it it totally makes sense to avoid doing that. And and actually, if I can share, um, we have neighbors upstairs, and they enlisted their little guy who was three at the time at the Montessori school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I live on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. And the Montessori school, that particular school, has now stopped using screens yeah. for for that age group. They they don't consider that a positive because they really understand how it impacts behavior in the brain. Yes, absolutely. Um, in fact, you know, my kids too. I enrolled them in a Montessori school here in Jersey, and same thing there. Um, they're very like anti tech, so there's um, yeah, no screens or anything really digital. Um, at the school, they encourage um, many other, you know, principles and values, um, and you know, have toys like just your your basic wooden toys and um, puzzles and that sort of thing. And they're still engaged and stimulated um, from that. Yeah, and, and and moms, something you may or may not be aware of: the folks in Silicon Valley, the 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 Bill Gates and you know, um, Steve Jobs and many folks whose names are not familiar to us, mm-hmm. their children have gone to school in Northern California without technology. Yes, it's true. They don't, they're not getting what your children are getting, which is this constant push towards we need a computer, they need to have a phone. And I believe Melinda Gates, when she was talking about their oldest, I think, don't quote me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it was 14 when their first child, their oldest child, got the first cell phone. Uh-huh. And she said if she could do it again, 14 was too young. Oh, wow. Wow. I guess there is a you know pivotal time where you want to expose your you know um, child or, or young teen to tech, but um, earlier is definitely not better. Earlier in this case is definitely not better. As a matter of fact, our our prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until we're, we're 25. Okay, wow. So, so when we think of um, carrying these devices, sleeping with these devices, they're close to our head. Uh, there has been some research and studies that have been done 
for moms who have kids who are a little older, those, those teenage years and even in junior high, mm-hmm. uh, as we all know, as women, we have those cute little pockets in our pants, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they're super cute and sexy when we, you know, we don't have lumps and bones. Right. <laughs> we have utilitarian pockets. Well, what they found is the girls tend to carry their cell phones in their bras. Oh. And while they haven't 100% corroborated it, there has been a spike in young teenage girls getting breast cancer. Oh, my goodness. I believe and it. The radiation. Side of the bra do you carry, you know, right or left the cell phone on, that tends to be the breast that's affected. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that's coincidence at all. Wow. I don't either. And so we want to we wanna make sure as, as a mom, this is a really great opportunity. If you're um, participating in that behavior right now, it's, it's not safe for you. So this is something that your your children are watching you, especially girls, because mm-hmm. you know we mirror and mimic same parent more than than opposite sex parents. Yep. And so this is a great opportunity for you to check yourself and say, "Hey, I'm doing that. This isn't healthy for me." And I'm also teaching a habit that can be devastating. We can have a devastating outcome down the road. So so again, you can make a, a quick change today. Mm, yes, absolutely. Um, so back to just um, the question. So we say on track, what were the age groups for three and above? Um, you know, ideal screen time, if you were to give it a number. Well, if I were to give it a number, and again, they've done a lot of research on this, I don't really see any reason why three to five needs to be on a screen more than an hour a day. Okay, maximum. yeah, mm-hmm. makes because sense. What is what does a three to five-year-old need to do on a screen yeah well you know what I can speak to um to you know my uh my circumstance with my um my two-year-old twins so we we don't have tablets for them you know we have tablets for the home and the things that they use the screens for is um they do like watching like nursery rhymes um they're Mm -hmm. like just addicted to this youtube channel called little baby bum (laughs) and so there's all sorts of (laughs) all sorts of nursery rhymes like you know from you know your baba black sheep to jack and jill to like the abc song and honestly in in that regard it's helped them a lot um you know the teachers have told us that they're um ahead of their peers in class not that it matters because they're in like a toddler class but you know it, it was nice to hear because they could recognize um letters numbers and knew all the lyrics to the songs like before they even got to school and so I, I feel like you know I'm, I'm always singing and you know kind of rattling off like the the ABCs and stuff just to ingrain it in them all day long um, like what when I'm doing a diaper change or just walking outside to the park but I think the screen time that they got watching um, those channels uh, definitely helped because they just you know, they just recognize those tunes and start singing them to themselves. And then the second t- a second thing that they use it for is um, just a few games. So there's toddler games that I downloaded, um, and they have things like matching. So, you know, if you have... Um, uh, let's say a shape that's like a circle and then there's like a picture of a pizza and then they have a square and a window you have to match the you know pizza to the circle and then the window to the square like things like that so there's matching there's um coloring and 
you know, um, big and little. So knowing, you know, uh, like this, this certain thing goes to the big mama bear. This goes to the little, uh, little bear. So like games like that, that they've kind of gotten the hang of, um, and even just swiping in general. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely do limit it to less than an hour a day. Cause this is something that, you know, when I'm, doing something really quick in the kitchen, um, you know, loading the dishwasher or whatever, I'll, I'll give them, uh, their little tablets to play with while I'm doing that. Um, but yeah, I just, I think I, I can't imagine it being for more than an hour cause they get bored too. It's like 10 or 15 minutes at a time. And then it's like, okay, out of your chairs, done. And I think you're pointing out something that's really positive. This is where technology is a benefit. Yeah. Um, when children get educated in this way and, you know, shapes and colors and ABCs and nursery rhymes, this is this is a positive way to use technology. And right. that's, that's good. So mm-hmm. the technology is not all evil. It's, yeah. There's a lot of amazing things that we do with it. Yes, absolutely. Um, any other, I would say, like, um, benefits or disadvantages that we didn't cover? Well, so learning a language mm, and that's a good one. becomes really beneficial, and especially for little ones. And and uh, again, because their brains are so malleable and they're able to absorb, and, and many kids now, you know, we live in this multicultural world, and so there are numerous languages in the home, and I think that's a great usage of technology Yes, to really be able to both visually see and to hear. So that's a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is where we really want to use it and how we want to use it. Mm-hmm. Right, right. You have to be very kind of intentional about um, how you're using it. Yes. Okay, great. Um, one thing that I feel I've noticed um, and something that I commiserate with other moms is that um, a lot of children, um, you know, and really young are being diagnosed with behavioral disorders, um, anxiety disorders, ADHD. Um, do you think that screens are kind of, uh, playing a part in that and it's somehow correlated? The American Psychological Association did a study on the increase in anxiety, uh, the increase in isolation, sleep deprivation, and there was a tremendous spike that happened from 2010 onward. ADHD and ADD, there has been a tremendous double-digit spike as well, a very high double-digit spike as far as the medications were. Mm. Yes, for these, I'll really call them behaviors, and it's mostly in younger children and adolescents. Right. So when we look at that, and we really look at the components of ADHD and ADD, I'll share with you when I was using the Google Calendar, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what everyone made fun of, that I was carrying the old-fashioned date books and I decided years ago I would do everything electronically and everything digitally. And after about a year of that, my brain was literally melting down. I was having so much trouble with focus, with concentration. And that's always something, even as a child, I had great concentration and I was super laser focused. And suddenly it was was disappearing and I thought, what is different in my life? What is happening? And I thought, oh my gosh, I bet 
it is having the, you know, you open the calendar and then you toggle off of that and you look at the email and then you go back because it's not that date and you go back and forth and what it is is we are exhausting our brain. Oh. And so children, by having multiple screens open and playing the game and answering a text and doing a Snapchat and doing all of these different um, pieces of technology simultaneously, mm-hmm. it is wearing our brain out. And we're going to see a huge increase and spike in brain burnout and mental exhaustion, which is really going to translate to nervous breakdown. My goodness. Wow. But, I mean, I believe it. So how do we rectify this? So here's the part, Mom. It's not all doomsday. <laughs> great tips for you that you can look at right now. So first and foremost, let's take all screens out of bedroom. So okay. it doesn't matter what the age, all screens need to come out. We, we once again know from children who are allowed to have any sort of screen in their bedroom, if they wake up in the middle of the night, if they get up to go to the bathroom on their own, we know that they're checking their screen. Yeah. What, what that does is imagine if you as an adult got up at 2 in the morning to go to the bathroom and you went and had two cups of coffee and then you tried to go back to sleep. Mm. You can't do it. Yeah. Because the blue light suppresses our melatonin. Right. Melatonin, we get more and more of that that's created by the brain, which mm-hmm. is why you start to see your children, they start to yawn and they're tired and mm-hmm. they, it's time to go to bed. And then a big mistake that happens is parents will then say, oh, we can do a story on the iPad or we can play one game on the iPad or the laptop before we go to sleep and then they wonder why their kids are wired. Yes, yes, yes. Just sent into their brain. That it's daytime. Yes. By suppressing the melatonin, it, the brain is going, I'm really tired, but I'm confused because now it's like I need to get up and I need to be focused, but I'm really tired. And so that's how we have rest, restless sleep. So let's take devices out of the bedroom. Okay. That's the first thing that we can, and we can all do that, uh, and we should all do that for adults as well. And so now let's look at creating a space within your home that's common family space mm-hmm. that we say that this area is going to be a tech-free zone. Okay. I would make a suggestion that this would be the dining room or kitchen, wherever you have your meal. Yeah, okay. The reason is, and you're going to have to do this as a, as, as a mom and a dad, too. We're, we're going to have to do this with our children. If we don't, remember, they're marrying and mimicking. And the days of do as I say, not as I do, that didn't even work when I was a kid. Yeah, that's true. Kids are so much smarter now. That definitely doesn't work. Yeah, we can't be hypocrites about this. Right? We've (laughs) got to be willing to take our devices out of the dining room, the kitchen as well. Okay. And the reason that I'm so adamant and always love to pick the dining room or the kitchen, is there is something called the iPhone effect. Okay. What that is, is that we know from research that any time there is a device on the table, what happens is we don't have conversations that are as deep, which doesn't let us get to the level of trust. Mm -hmm. And we, we, you need your children to trust you when they tell you 
that they maybe hit someone in school or they got in trouble or they didn't do so well on a test or they, someone wasn't nice to them. We need a, a, a deep, safe place of trust for them to come to us and we don't get to those deeper levels when we have devices on the table. We know this for a fact. And we also know that when they are there, the brain has now been trained to think of that device. Okay. And so now we're thinking, oh, I want to play my favorite game. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I don't have enough farm animals. Right. Or whatever it is that they're doing. And that's all they're thinking about. So you, as a parent, may think you're connecting with your child. Mm-hmm. You're really not. There's no connection that's taking place as long as there are devices on the table. That makes total sense. Um, I think that, you know, this can be applied to adults as well. I mean, when I have my phone next to me, like I'm constantly like checking emails. And even if it's something that's not immediate, you just, we're, we're just so conditioned to like, you know, pick up when the phone like pings, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a habit we have to address and, and deal with. And then our third tip is to really watch what types of phones that we're giving our children. Okay. Are we giving them the smartphones or are we saying that we're going to be brave and we're going to be the different parent and we're going to give you a flip phone? Right. In fact, we believe, because I have a lot of parents, I I work with a lot of families and the biggest concern that I hear from moms and dads over and over again is, they're afraid that there's going to be another Sandy Hook, another Columbine, there's another one of those. And mm. It's true. We don't, and I understand that. When I was, I'm actually from the area of Columbine. So okay. um, I understand that fear. I was not in school when this began. So mm-hmm. I understand this is a very real concern of a parent that you would want your child to be able to call you, call 911. And we want to give as many children the opportunity to dial for help. So right. this we understand. Do we need, though, and this is where the challenge is, and really challenge yourself as a parent, do your children need to have the smartphone? That's such an interesting question to ask. And, yeah, if we truly... Um, are using it for, you know, call us when you have an emergency, sweetie, then they don't need to be playing Candy Crush, uh, you know, on their smartphone. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, a flip phone would suffice. Um, This makes me think of a a funny story. Um, Like I used to always have kind of older models of phones. Um, Post-college, my first cell phone I got was like a brick. It was, you know, freshman year of college. Um, and I literally only used it if I um, if I needed to call a friend in a, you know, in a dorm or, um, or, or my parents if I happened to be outside away from my landline. <laughs> but um, but uh, I remember um, even post-college, I was like happy with, you know, the, the very like basic phones. And I had this friend who saw, I don't remember what it was at that time, maybe a Nokia or something. And he was like, you need to get a smarter phone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, it, it serves our purpose though. Um, especially for kids, they don't need smarter phones. They, they should be, you know, happy with the, the dial out feature. That's all that they really need it for. And then, um, as parents, we can, um, kind of, you know, oversee how much time they get on a phone or a tablet because they only get it when we give it to them. Exactly. We we want to. We have in our home. We have a phone drawer, 
Mm-hmm. It's in the kitchen. It's an electronic store because we charge the iPad there. We charge the phones there. And everything, uh, even when we have guests come to dinner, we ask everyone to put their phones in the phone drawer. Oh, and wow. Silence it and place it in the phone drawer. Because if someone's coming over and we're having a dinner party and they're going to spend their time on their phone, then really they don't want to spend time with us and the rest of the people there. There's really no point. I love that idea. That's great. Um, yeah, I think that you know you're just sharing tips that are applicable to to kids and parents. Um, I, I'm going to definitely implement the that. Kids come over. Yeah, if the kids come over, kind of get up for a sleepover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't want them taking inappropriate uh, photos, and we know that sometimes you know one dares one, and this yep. happens even at young ages. Oh yeah, and nine where there's a dare or do this, and we take a photo, and we can't get those back. So right, a great. Great opportunity to really test your parenting skills is to ask all the kids to say, you know what, this is a time for a slumber party and popcorn and movies and whatever it is that they're going to be doing. And you say, all the phones go here until everybody leaves tomorrow. We're going to, you know, after pancake breakfast or something like that. Yes, yes, yeah, that's great. And it, it just allows all of us to be present. I think, you know, that's something that's so lacking in this day and age. And we have to remind ourselves, um, how to just, you know, be like present in the moment. Yes. It's, it is something that has dissipated from our society and from our individual lives. So when we really challenge ourselves in the way that you did on that, that great day to, you know, go outside and play and have fun, Mm -hmm. uh, there were not a lot of other parents who were challenging themselves to really take those moments to connect with their children because, as everyone knows, whatever stage in life you're at, we're all going to blink and turn around and it's over. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my gosh, I'm so scared of, for that already. <laughs> well, yeah, you're going to have these memories. You're going to look back and, and realize that you didn't have your children alone in their rooms, mm-hmm. isolated. They were out with you, and those moments can never be replaced. Yes. And that's really what it's all about. That's what the journey of parenting is all about. We we want to be able to embrace technology, and mm-hmm. simultaneously we want to remember the, the big reason that we're here, and it's not technology. Yes. No, that's absolutely true. Um, I think this kind of um, uh, bleeds into my philosophy of like minimalism as well. I I do the same thing with toys. I don't like to accumulate too many toys. Um, you know, people tell me like, oh, you have twins, you probably have double of everything. But I don't. I'm like, no, they have to share. And um, I don't, I think that, um, like you said, it's way uh, more impactful for them to remember an experience than like a toy, you know, and then I think of like the whole Velveteen rabbit syndrome. Toys only last yeah. so, you know, their intrigue only lasts so long. So, yeah, it's all about those experiences and um, a screen or um, any form of technology or toy, for that matter, can't can't replace that. I wanted to go into our mom sense moment. So, can you share um, a story or an anecdote of when um, you know your own mom had a mom sense moment where she just trusted her intuition, um, almost with a blind faith, and decided to go that route rather than listening to you know her peers or um, her own mom or in laws or whatever? Was there a moment um, that that you can share like that? 
I will share with you that my mother always has and still does really marches to her own music. Mm. And I think what has allowed me to forge and, and be on the path that I'm on and take the circuitous route to get there was that she was 100% always in a place of trusting herself. And what I can say, moms, is there's not enough value these days and there's not enough kudos and accolades in understanding how to trust your gut. You know how to do this instinctively. Mm-hmm. You've carried that little bundle with you for those nine months, and you are so in tune to that other human being. You've got this. Right. And we need to take a moment to sit quietly, which my mom would often do, sit very quietly and be very still and then say, this is the way it's going to be. This is the decision. And we didn't always like it. She was always spot on. Mm. And so, mom, you got this. You really <laughs> do have an instinct knowing how to do it. Take the moment, disconnect from technology, sit for a moment, get in a space of a calm within yourself, think about it, trust your gut, and go. I love that advice. That's that's incredible. Let's not forget our quote of the day. So do you have a quote um, that you can share with us uh, about like digital detox and, and, you know, just one nugget that we can remember whenever we want to just remind ourselves? Sure. So I have a quote from my book, Consciously Connecting, and that is, when you take time to disconnect, the real connection begins. Wow. That's so true. That was a great segue. Tell us about your book, Consciously Connecting. Sure. So Consciously Connecting, a simple process to reconnect in a disconnected world, takes you on a journey where I've divided the book into the 12 months of the year. Each month has a theme, and within that theme, there are four weekly exercises. Now, you're not going to sit down and write a bucket list because this is about reconnecting to yourself and others at a very deep level. Um, June, for example, June is all about reconnecting and tapping into your childhood passions, and so we play with spontaneity, and we really look at following our impulses, because that's what so much of childhood is about that we forget as adults. So again, each month has a theme, and then each week you, you reconnect in a, in a different way with yourself and, and others. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. And now on to our Mom Hall. Um, is there any product you think that would be beneficial to moms? Well, I think, moms, if you're feeling that disconnect and you're, you're having trouble, again, helping, helping the little ones, and you've got to be strong for yourself first. So mm-hmm. picking up a copy of my book, Consciously Connecting, uh, is a great way for you to take some time and reconnect to yourself, which will help you really focus on being not only the best mom, being the best person in every avenue of your life that you can be. You can pick that up on Amazon.com. You can pick it up Barnes & Noble. You can pick it up on my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the second thing that would be great for a mom hall is I do work with families 
on a very specific program learning about your family and how you can have something very specific for you and what will work with your family. We look at all those issues of behavior and changing those behaviors and getting your children back on track if there's been a little too much tech in the household. And we do it, we do it parents as well as the children. We join in and it's a plan for the whole family. So that's, that's really great to do too if you, if you think that your family would like a, a blueprint for that. And you can reach out to me online and we can have a conversation and see if that's the right program for you. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're sharing that with, um, with our listeners. Any um, last thoughts? My last thought is I want to leave all you moms with the positivity of really, again, knowing that you got this thing. You're mm-hmm. some of the first generations who are raising children with full-blown technology. And just know every day is not going to be perfect, and it is okay. Mm-hmm. We as women need to continue to support each other, realizing that we don't have to be perfect. There are going to be days that we need to bring our A game, and it's not going to happen, and it is completely okay. Yes. We, Kanika and I support you. She's a, she's a huge supporter in this amazing podcast and the work that she's bringing to you. So a huge thank you to you, Kanika, for what you are, the tools and the techniques you're sharing with moms. And any mom that's having, again, if you're feeling disconnected in any way, please reach out and say hi. Take me up on my offer. Let's, let's have a 20-minute conversation. And uh, any way that I can help you to, to plug in and reconnect in areas that you feel disconnected. Uh, as a woman, I am supporting you. I am here for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Holland. I really appreciate it. You're a joy. And um, I know there's a lot of takeaways with this podcast. And I'm, I'm looking forward to even more with you. Well, that concludes today's episode. We hope we inspired you to do some digital detox of your own. I know I'm definitely going to create a phone drawer. (laughs) Well, if you want to learn more about our guest, Holland Haas, uh, check out her website. It's H-O-L-L-A-N-D-H-A-I-I-S dot com. And check out our website. It's That's Total Mom Sense, no apostrophe, dot com. Um, and send us an email if you have any ideas for shows or potential guests at That's Total Mom Sense at gmail.com. Bye, guys. That's Total Mom Sense.